0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL network.
1: Hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Good to be with you guys as always here on the Sunday spread. A lot to get into in just this short hour that we got here on BetQL. Along with Grant Paulson, I'm Alex Gold. Grant, I saw the photo from, from your Thanksgiving setup up a little bit. It looked like you had a little it was a backyard setup. You guys had the TV outside. It looked nice, man. You have a good Thanksgiving?
2: I had a great holiday. Appreciate you asking. Yeah, we had about uh, eight family members over. We I dragged one of the, uh, I got a little multi TV set up in the basement for football Sundays, but we dragged one of them outside and did the fire pit, and it was really, really comfortable here on the East Coast. Looked like your smoked turkey turned out all right.
1: No issues, thank goodness. I did not ruin Thanksgiving. Again, they didn't trust me fully to have it be the only turkey, so I guess I couldn't have. Fully ruined it. I didn't have that faith. Maybe next year. It sounds like we're going to stick with the two turkeys, though, because some people really like the smoked turkey. Some other people still like the traditional turkey. But it was funny. I I ended up filling in on BetQL. Uh, For those of you that caught uh, BetQL daily, maybe on Thursday, we were doing the live show, of course, uh, there with, with Aaron Hawksworth. And I was smoking the turkey while we were doing the show. So in between commercial breaks, Grant, I was running out there making sure I wasn't burning down the apartment or anything like that. So we had a good time. Thanksgiving was awesome. And uh, those games, man, uh, we, we, we saw the Bears and Lions game be pretty much what we thought it would be. I know it was a popular play for people to pick the Lions to win outright, and they certainly were in position to be able to do so. And, and you get to a point over and over with the Detroit Lions after seeing the Bears still find a way to win that game. That I know they've been close for the last month, and they have actually been playing better. But at some point, like, if, if, if you're not winning those type of games, like, it's not going to happen. I am convinced they will go 0-16-1. I, I just don't see it happening. I don't care how close they've been anymore. That was their opportunity there on Thanksgiving after having close calls already. Bad teams find ways to lose close games over and over again. They're not a good football team. We know this.
2: No, they're not, and I'm afraid I'm you know, starting to come to the realization I think they're also pretty poorly coached. You know, I like what was happening with Dan Campbell early in the season because of how hard they were playing, and they're still playing hard. But there are just some mysterious decisions in game that get made for this team that are really confounding and baffling to me. I mean, they came out and surprised everyone by throwing on six of their first seven plays on their opening drive, and they went right down the field and scored a touchdown and took – uh, a 7 nothing lead. Well, they didn't have another drive like that until late in the third quarter when they threw on all but two plays on a seven-play drive and they scored a touchdown. And in the meantime, they ran the ball a whole bunch. I think on their other 10 drives, they had a combined 13 passes for Jared Goff. Uh, th- their drive after their opening throw fest that they went and got points in, they went run, run, third and 12. I, I don't really get what the plan is there. Like, why acquire Jared Goff and not that he's any good. I know he doesn't have a lot of weaponry around him. But then treat him like he's some 14th overall pick from from some like Division two program that you don't trust. So I don't really get what they're doing on offense. They had a third down opportunity at the 11-yard line to stop Chicago and force a field goal. Right around two minutes left, and they played really soft coverage and essentially gave them a you know, big cushion in the first down at the sticks. They're just little things like that that are just losing... Kind of hard to describe football, but I'm with you. I thought this was their game to win. I actually had them on the money line. I thought they were going to win the game. It's kind of their Super Bowl on Thanksgiving with everybody watching traditionally. Uh, but it didn't happen, and now I think they're going to be fighting an uphill battle to get one.
1: I had the Bears minus three, uh, and that was a play that I had during BetQL Daily. Obviously, if you were at least just hoping the Lions would cover, backing the Lions cover, they got you your cover. Maybe they didn't get you your money line win, but they got you a cover. And then in the middle of the afternoon, it was the Cowboys in the Raiders in the ratings for this game. Were massive, uh, the highest-rated regular-season game I believe in NFL history, or at least since the '60s, and so, uh, so NFL history flat out, I should say, not since the '60s. So, if you're looking at the Dallas Cowboys, though, after that performance, suddenly they're in a bit of a slump, to say the least. Some things struggling a little bit defensively. I know they've had some guys out on offense still, according uh, to you know, not according to uh, Mari Cooper. Uh, should be back next week, C.D. Lamb. But this was a game that was just filled with penalties, and, and that also piggybacks off of that Bears game as well. What, 28 penalties, 276 yards as far as Thanksgiving Day games with the penalties, man. I, I think for the Dallas Cowboys at this point in time, suddenly most watched regular season games since 1990. Thank you, Spencer, sure our producer, telling me in my ear there. Okay, 1990 most watched regular season game but grant the cowboys the eagles should they be worried that the eagles are right there on their tail playing a lot better football because the cowboys have dropped a couple years
2: i wouldn't be overly worried i think dallas starting the way they did right around six and one was enough hay in the barn and they harvested enough nuts that they're going to be able to handle their business because remember they still control their own destiny a lot of divisional games particularly in the nfc coming up in december so i think they're still going to get where they want to go and win the division but they've shown some warts here i mean there are definitely some flaws this defense which we all kind of crowned and said had fixed itself and, and was not only better than last year, but was pretty good under uh, Dan Quinn is, is regressed. I mean, they're 27th, I believe in yards per play and they're 19th and how often they get to the quarterback. They struggle with some injuries now off the edge to to get to the the passer other than if Micah Parsons is, is getting home. So uh, they've got some real problems on that side of the ball. Derek Carr carved them up like the Turkey that everyone was eating on Thursday for three hundred seventy plus yards, and that was without his number one and really only reliable receiving threat in Darren Waller. So their offense was going through Hunter Renfro and Zay Jones and Carr didn't miss a beat. He was phenomenal. Um and so, you know, I I think there are real problems on that side of the ball. Now, are they better than they have been over the last couple of years? Certainly. Are they, you know, going to be um because of that a, a tougher outcome in the playoffs? Yes. But we. Kind of decided that their defense had fixed itself, and I'm just not sure that's the case anymore. Uh, but I-, I thought the story of that game, frankly, was the officials just took it over, and I hate when that happens. Now, you just mentioned it was the highest rated game since I was two years old for a regular season game. There's 38 million people watching that game, uh, which is just wonderful for the league, and we're all watching the officials decide the damn thing. You know, they threw 28 penalties. What are we doing here? I don't ever want to see a game with 28 penalties. I don't care if they think there are 28 penalties. Like there is a float of football that we never really got into. You know, you you see this in basketball where you're always waiting for a whistle and there's NBA, there's never like possession, 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 possession. Because there's stoppages, because there's always a foul. And I think it's a problem. Uh, In in the NFL, to have 28 penalties just means those – uh, the officials and that crew were, were way too uh, worried about what they were seeing. And, and I, I wish the league would get together with that sky judge in like the second quarter and say, hey, wait a second, guys. No one's here to see you. We're, we're here to watch Derek Carr and Zach Prescott. Let's let these teams play football. So I actually thought the officiating in that game was infuriating. But uh, otherwise, it was, it was a lot of fun and in in a good contest.
1: Big bounce-back win for the Raiders. As for the Cowboys, we'll see if they can get Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence back. They badly need them. They're two pass rushers there on the edge. And now there's talk that maybe the Cowboys are going to rest Ezekiel Elliott for a little bit uh, to give him some time uh, to get ready, of course, for the playoffs. Those are a couple of the Thanksgiving games. The night one went, uh, as, as expected, in terms of where who was favored in that game. The Bills were six-and-a-half-point favorites going in. They cruised past New Orleans Saints, so it was the uh, – the Lions covering, and it was the Raiders covering and the Bills covering on Thanksgiving. Let's get to the spotlight games. There's 11 games remaining here in week 12. Three of the bigger ones we take a look at. The, how about the Tennessee Titans in the AFC there, stumbling a little bit. Seven-point underdogs at New England, the total at 44. And it, this this line, to me, is far too rich. And I, and I get it, the idea that the Patriots now other than maybe Kansas City are playing as good as anybody in the Colts playing as good anybody in the AFC but the Titans at at this point in time to me haven't fallen off enough to where they're suddenly a team that should be seven point underdogs that's my issue that's a little idea of where my play's headed when we get to the pick six I I, this game has massive seeding implications as well with the titans there still has the number one seed in the afc for now but in overall for the patriots seven points man that's too rich despite how well they're playing right now i know that the times are so banged up
2: yeah gold it just feels like a massive overreaction to the titans losing to the texans in pretty ugly fashion last week right and i understand how we got here like the look ahead line was nothing like what the line has become now. It keeps moving. Every time I check, it's another half point or a point to, to be in minus seven for New England. But I do think the Patriots win the game, and I could easily yeah. see them covering in the game. Like, the Titans' offense has fallen apart since they lost Derrick Henry, as we all kind of expected. They're averaging, since then, barely five yards, a little under five yards, per play. In the meantime, they lose A.J. Brown again, who's been ruled out for this game. They don't have Julio Jones. So you wonder where is your offense? Where are your big plays coming from? Ryan Tannehill's coming off a game where he threw four interceptions and meanwhile, the, the, the Patriots are just rolling. If you look at their last seven games, they've run for 126, 120, 148, 142, 151, 184, 134. And in that time, Mac Jones has four picks and 10 touchdowns because so they don't ask him to do a whole lot. So they've got the formula. They should be the favorite. They're going to win the game. The question is, is seven too big with a Titans defense that's normally been pretty good? Number 12 in the league, number eight against the run. That's where the big matchup is, I think, up front defensively for Tennessee this weekend.
1: Yeah, what's the conversation you and I have had quite a bit uh, the last few weeks about the NFL? How, you know, don't, don't be so reactionary week to week based on what we saw. We know what we saw a week ago which was the Tennessee Titans losing to, you know, the Houston Texans. And so that, of course, is factoring into why the line is, is what it is. And I, and I get that. But I think we, we hopefully have learned our lesson throughout this season, though. The NFL is so unpredictable, but also that when it seems like, oh, yeah, the Patriots are clearly the better team, that the Patriots are going to go in there and continue to roll and continue to win by an average of 21 points, which is what they've done over the last four or five weeks. I, I think this is a lot closer than people realize. I'm with you that the, the Patriots will win this football game I, I just don't think they're still good enough to be blowing out a team that still has the most wins in the AFC and has not to me fallen off to the point where they suddenly are, are, are you know a, a middle of the road AFC team I still consider the Titans in that top six top seven teams in the AFC conversation and so I think it's going to be a fun football game massive implications for the Patriots too now right I mean the New England Patriots are trying to keep pace with the Bills who got that win on Thursday night against the Saints and and maybe with those two meetings still to come, you want to be in position if you're the Patriots, knowing that it's a good chance at best you're probably splitting with the Bills, and so can you put yourself in a spot where you're not trailing heading into those two matchups against the Buffalo Bills? The other one that we want to look at in our spotlight games here on the Sunday spread, the Rams, two-point favorites at Green Bay. This was around one and a half at one point in time. This moved a little bit. I would imagine this might move again before kickoff the total at 47. The Rams are off a bye week. Prior to that, two straight losses. This is another two team that had been playing very well now struggling a little bit. We've talked about this with just about every single team in football. That's considered a contender. They've had these stretches of games. The Rams are no different, but under Sean McVay, four and one against the spread after the bye week. And the Rams are five and two against the spread on the road as underdogs in NFC games. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he showed us all that that toe injury. Thank you for, for doing that. Grant, please do not put your toe on the screen. If you ever have a toe injury, please. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that from Aaron Rodgers. It's impacting his play though.
2: It is. It certainly is. It's impacting this offense. I mean, he has not been healthy in 100% in several weeks at this point. Now, this past week, I thought he played a great game against the Minnesota Vikings. He threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and he gave them a chance to beat Minnesota on the road. Uh, but I'll be curious to see what happens in this football game because I think they're going to have to run the ball against the Rams just like San Francisco did. You mentioned that LA has lost two games in a row. I mean, those are bad losses. 28-16, the ugly Stafford game against the Titans in prime time with a couple of gross picks. Then the 31-10 shellacking at the hands of San Francisco where the 49ers just pounded the ball right at them. 42 attempts for 150 yards. Uh, the Rams have gone from the one seed basically to the five seed. And they're chasing one and a half games back now in the West. They look comfortably like they're a playoff team in the wild card, but they still want to win the division. And there is something on the line here for the Packers. I mean, people could say, well, they're going to win the North who cares. But there's only one team that gets a bye. And they're a game back in the hunt for the number one seed in the bye. So not only do they want to win because Minnesota's five and five and has a tiebreaker, and who knows if they get hot, what happens. But they want to get that number one seed. It's a possible NFC title game matchup. I like everything about it. Uh, Rodgers with the hurt toe makes me think they're going to lean on A.J. Dillon And I think Dillon could have a huge, maybe even a career game, if they're able to do against L.A. what San Francisco did the last time the Rams played, which was just bully them up front. That's where this team, I think, can best be had. I would take maybe a look at an under and Rodgers' passing yard, maybe an over for A.J. Dillon on the ground. But I like McVay off the bye. I think the Rams do cover in this game.
1: That's the thing. It is coming off a bye week, and we mentioned how well Sean McVay has fared. You keep bringing up A.J. Dillon, certainly, who has been – been fine and, and, and fill in fill-in duty it's convenient to see what the final roster determination is and decision on Aaron Jones because he's been questionable all week this seems like it'd be really quick Grant if he actually is available for this game I, I know it's a massive game is what you laid out there for for seating and everything but they know they need Aaron Jones for the playoffs I don't see any need to rush this thing he's questionable to me I, I let Aaron Jones sit out one more week I don't believe we've seen any official word yet on that I know he's been questionable
2: throughout the week yeah, I, I'm just expecting that he won't play, and I'll be stunned if he does, and I've thought that all along because the the injury was serious enough that they said originally multiple games. And on top of that, and maybe more importantly, they have a bye week next week. Rushing him back to play pre-bye week when he could effectively get like a yeah. three-week break would be foolish to me. The whole point of being 8-3 and three and putting that hay in the barn is that you don't have to hit the accelerator. With guys that you're going to need for the long haul. Other, you know, if you were five and five right now, okay, I get it. But you're you're in the catbird seat. Like this is why you've worked really hard. This is why you have this record. Yeah, it'd be nice to get the one seed, but figure out a way to do that without him playing. This week beat this team, cool. But that's style points. Like you're already a playoff team. You need to make sure when you get to the playoffs, you can go on a lengthy Super Bowl run. That's what this has been about. For them all year long. They've been in the NFC Championship game the last two years. This is not about getting to the playoffs. They wake up, yawn, get out of bed, eat breakfast, and make the playoffs. This is about getting to the Super Bowl and winning. And to do that, they will need a healthy Aaron Jones in the playoffs.
1: This is the Sunday Spread here on BetQL. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. Coming up next, we get to our pick six.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to
1: 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
1: Just getting started here on the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Thanks for listening to us on BetQL. Those of you also watching us on Twitch makes it easy each and every Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. We'll get to around the league and take a look at some of the other games we didn't get to in our our two spotlight games of the week. But right now, you know what time it is. Our favorite plays. It's the Pick 6.
0: The Pick 6.
1: I need a bounce back week, Rand. Last week, I will fully admit, for those of you that have been following along and seeing how we're doing on picks, the worst week against the spread that I have had since we've been starting this show. I thought I was going to be able to salvage at least a one and two against the spread week in our pick six for myself with the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. And then we all saw the Chargers tried to charge her in the most uh, charger way possible with the block punt and everything. They did just enough to still win the game. Uh, but also just enough to make sure I didn't cover the six points. So we got to bounce back here. It was a rough week for your guy here, Grant. Uh, I'll let you That's start us you
2: off. What what you get for betting <laughs> against the underdog that is Mike Tomlin on the road. You can't do it.
1: They were can't up 17. It. The Chargers were up 17. I should know better. I've seen plenty of Chargers games in my life, having having them in the AFC West, and that was about to be the old school Chargers once again finding ways to lose football games. They They held on barely there.
2: Yeah, that was crazy. But let's get to it. All right. So, pick six this week. I will start. And speaking of the Chargers, I'll start right there. I love them. Minus two and a half in Denver against the Broncos. I know that Denver's coming off of a bye week. We often look at stats off of a bye week. This coach is fill in the blank. I, I don't know if he gave this staff like seven weeks if it would change how I felt necessarily about about the Broncos <laughs> uh, led by Vic Fangio. I think the Chargers are better. I think they'll look like it. And I think this is a team you saw it last week at the end of that game it is a little bit different than chargers teams in years past right they found a way in the end to get their footing finish the game off get a win made a couple of big plays led by justin herbert you know i think very highly of brandon staley analytically i think he's a sharp guy they're going to beat denver minus two and a half they're going to be in a good position to make the playoffs barreling down the stretch
1: yeah, it looked like Herbert kind of got back in a flow in that Sunday night game we were referencing as well, and of course that's going to be key for them going forward. I, I like the Chargers in that game as well. I just never been able to believe in, in the Broncos either. All right, bear with me on this one because we, we we've discussed I think all the way back in in the first few weeks we're picking games involving just two really bad football teams, but I think that this line uh, is still right there for, for everybody to take advantage of. It's the Houston Texans minus two and a half against the new york jets they're both two and eight i get it they both stink the texans defense though this might surprise people i know uh, people might reference well they're like 28th against the pass but if you buy into a little more of the analytical side and, and also looking at dvoa the texans are right there with some of the top teams in football they're the 10th best defense in dvoa this year four interceptions last week against ryan Tannehill and the tennessee titans and guess who's back for the jets it's good long-term for the Jets to find out who Zach Wilson is, but Zach Wilson being back is great news for the Texans. It's better in all that long-term, but short-term, Joe Flacco or Josh Johnson was actually better for them to have a chance to win this football game. Wilson was horrendous prior to the injury. Do I think sitting out for a month actually makes Zach Wilson better in his first game? No, I don't whatsoever. He led the NFL interceptions prior to being hurt. So I love the Texans here, actually, minus 2.5. That defense is playing better. Even with this Tyrod Taylor offense that's been sputtering, the defense is forcing turnovers. I'll be stunned if Zach Wilson
2: doesn't throw a couple interceptions. Yeah, he very well could. I actually liked the Jets side of that, so I'm interested to see how that plays out for you. Uh, My second game is going to be the game that I actually feel best about on the slate the entire weekend. You know, at times, I've been known on this show for backing Vikings with the spread. I'm going the other way this weekend. San Francisco minus three. I think they win this game and potentially going away. So everyone's talking about the Vikings getting going, and they have been very good the last couple weeks. Justin Jefferson has been magnificent in consecutive games. Uh, They've opened the offense up for Kirk Cousins finally. Mike Zimmer's got to be very annoyed by that, I'm sure. But here's (laughs) the deal. The, The 49ers have also gotten their act together kind of more quietly no one's really talking about that and for san francisco it's been they're the identity they want to be right like the vikings with jefferson 143 169 the last two games that doesn't sustain itself for san francisco running the ball 31 10 over the rams 30 to 10 over jacksonville i think they're going to run the vikings into the ground they don't have dalvin tomlinson who's on the covid list everson griffin unfortunately is having mental health problems is having an episode so he's unavailable nfi you have daniel hunter out for the year I and mean, the vikings are likely to be basically without their entire starting defensive line not an exaggeration how do you stop the run against a team that commits to it it's a lifestyle for kyle shanahan 49ers are going to run the ball with ease they're going to win this game minus three
1: the total uh, is interesting to me in this one the the, the total Grant is at 49 points. That's really interesting. I, I think there's an opportunity because of the Vikings defense you bring up there, but I also still think the Vikings offense will put up some points against the 49ers. So, it's not so much that I don't like the, the 49ers minus three. I just think the total is really in play here if you, if you like the over, if you really buy into to how the, this game flow is likely going to go. Next up for for me, I, I want to go to Atlanta and Jacksonville. So, yes, it's another pair of bad football teams. Atlanta minus two at Jacksonville. Both teams are and six against the spread and i believe like i just mentioned the other game both teams to me will be able to move the ball as these are two of the worst defenses in the league but i trust matt ryan in the spot more trevor lawrence and the jags to me are still more likely to commit the costly turnover or penalty if it's a close game late than it is for the falcons to be able to do the do this i also like the over in this game as well but give me the atlanta falcons cover the two points against Jacksonville. I know they're playing better football, but it's not like the Jacksonville Jaguars overall are are running away from anybody. And so in a close game, I'll take the more experienced team.
2: I like that pick. Uh, I'll end here. The Ravens in the weirdest schedule quirk over the next three weeks, play the Browns. Then Cleveland has a bye. Then the Browns play the Ravens again. in like a home and home series. It's very strange. Baltimore is minus three and a half. Looks like Lamar Jackson was healthy enough this week that he will be playing. Now, I'm not quite sure if he'll be Lamar Jackson to the fullest extent. I don't think he needs to be, though. The last couple weeks, the Browns have been worrisome, and we always say don't overreact. But I think this kind of meshes and matches gold with what they are as a team right now. I don't trust Baker Mayfield generally. While hurt, he's worse than normal, which is in my opinion, an overrated quarterback. And so now you've got a guy who's actually a detriment to their offense. I think they should be starting Case Keenum in this game because Mayfield just can't make the throws they need him to.
1: They've he costs himself a lot of money, points.
2: man. He is, but and he's playing hurt. I give him credit for that. It's admirable. His teammates all love him, I'm sure. But they scored 13 points mostly because they couldn't make plays at the quarterback position against the Lions last week. The week before that, they got beat by 38 45, 7 at the hands of the Patriots. So this is more an indictment of the Browns than it is an endorsement of the Ravens here. But I think they find a way to cover three and a half. Might be a physical, fairly ugly, maybe even sloppy game. But I think they win this game by a handful of points.
1: Yeah, Harbaugh continues to do an amazing job. I mean, it's uh, what they did last week, I know it was a Bears team, but with, with Tyler Hunley, to be able to to come away with a win considering everything has been so impressive. I like the Ravens in this game as well. My last one here, we featured in our spotlight games, Tennessee 7-Point Dogs at New England. It's a a play for BetQL for those of you on the BetQL app. Now, it's just a two-star play. It's not a five-star play, but they like Uh, The Tennessee Titans plus the seven as well. Look, the Patriots been cruising in their last five games. I mentioned they're averaging 21 points or so covering in all five. But I feel like everyone's hopping on the Patriots bandwagon way too much for them to be seven point favorites in this game. I like the Titans to cover the seven points for some of the reasons we mentioned during the, the spotlight games here. I think it's a close game. I don't see anybody running away with it.
2: I like that play a lot. I think it's close. I'm with you. I do think the Patriots win. Would I be shocked if they won by 13 or something? No, because that's what they've been doing. They're blowing teams out. They're dominating. But this is a statement game for them. I mean, I was starting to see people this week on some of the major shows across the country on television talking about them as maybe the best team in the conference. And I think we're all getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. And that's ultra aggressive because we haven't really seen them have to throw the ball a bunch or have a game where they couldn't run it, and I think that's the key to beating them. They got a top-10 run defense to deal with this week, so I'm fascinated to see if the Titans can slow that running game down, what happens with Mac Jones in the pocket.
1: That's our pick six here on the Sunday spread. Those are the games we like. How about the players? It's time for the studs.
0: The Sunday spread presents the Sunday studs
1: go back to a game that I featured in one of my plays there during the pick six. It's the Jets. It's the Texans. You kind of got a sense of my feeling on what Zach Wilson is going to look like in his first game back since the injury. And I know some of his playmakers around him have emerged like Elijah Moore was not playing at this level when Zach Wilson was healthy. In all fairness to Zach Wilson, but I like the under 240 and a half passing yards. He threw for about 116 yards per game on average when he was healthy and playing. It's his first game back. He was only completing 57% of his throws before the injury. I'm not saying Zach Wilson down the stretch of the season can't improve, but right out of the gate after an injury, I'm supposed to believe he's going to pick up and be way better than what he was before the injury. He's only thrown over the number twice this year. I like the under against the Texans two forty and a half and a half passing yards.
2: I love that. Cause the only way I could see him going over that is if they're really chasing a game and they're down by a bunch and they get some garbage time production, but this is probably going to be a pretty close game. Most of the way. And as I told you, I kind of think they might win the thing outright. So, yeah, I could see them being much more balanced and, and not being in desperation mode. Uh, my first play, I'm going to keep it local here. I'm based in D.C. Washington on Monday night is hosting Seattle on national TV. Terry McLaurin's one of the best receivers in the league that nobody talks about. 65 and a half is the number for him in receiving yards. Seahawks very banged up at corner. Their number one corner is actually missing practice time. Expected to play, but might not be 100%. They could be without multiple corners though in this game including their cornerback two who's out for the season I think Terry McLaurin moving around the formation Scott Turner does a nice job not necessarily keeping him in the same spot plays a little bit in the slot mostly outside both sides of the field bring him in motion I think they can get him one-on-one with some inferior players he'll go over 65 and a half
1: that seems low doesn't it I mean I mean obviously you think as well the number just seems to be set pretty low considering who the the Seahawks are defensively right now and everything. The game, I know we'll get to it during the around the league. I'm fascinated by this game because the Seahawks are are certainly not the same Seattle team, but I, I still feel like this is a spot that, that Seattle can get the win. I'll get your thoughts on that during around the league. Uh, Another stud for me. How about Nick Chubb? I've had a lot of prop bets involving Nick Chubb this season He's actually been, been more successful than, than some of the other players I've attacked. He's, he's treated me pretty well this year. I'm not looking at the yardage though, for Nick Chubb under 17 and a half rush attempts in this game kareem hunt is expected to be back in the picture this week that's a huge part of this play and we know that the Ernest johnson uh, is capable of, of carrying the football a little bit so if they need to they got a third guy now that they can trust i think this all can eat into his carries this week against the baltimore ravens and he's if you're wondering this season what has he done he's gone over that 17 and a half rushing rushing attempts four times this season so i like the under uh kareem hunt to me steals some carries
2: yeah and of course didn't play in every single game in terms of you know, the percentage of the time so sure, far this sure. year that he's gone over. I would just say if he's under 17 and a half, they have no chance of winning, in my opinion. Uh, he's got to be closer to 2022. And, and that's not me being a 1946 football fan who thinks you got to run it 20 times to win as much as it's a game script thing, right? Like if, if they're throwing the ball, the way that passing offense is working right now and the way Baker Mayfield is playing, uh, then they're probably chasing. And, well, I think they uh, run. I just think them.
1: Kareem Hunt. I just think Kareem Hunt's involved in it. I'm with you that the idea, like Baker Mayfield, I think yeah, last if, week we were talking, he shouldn't be throwing the ball more than 25 times a game.
2: Right, yeah, and if they divvy up the carries to that point, that, that's a way you could get into the win column there. Uh, I like Aaron Rodgers, under 265.5. I know he went ham sandwich last week against the Vikings. Uh, it's not like the Rams' defense has necessarily shut quarterbacks down. I think this toe thing, more practice time missed going into the bye week, could all add up to maybe being a little bit of a problem. We've seen this offense sputter some. Now, obviously, Rodgers didn't play in the, the rock fight that they had where they, they couldn't move the ball much against Kansas City, but he did play in that Seattle game where it was pretty gross, and they didn't score until like three-plus quarters in to that game, basically. Uh, so I, I don't think the Packers are operating on all cylinders. As you know, I expect that they don't have Aaron Jones. We'll see what happens there. But I think they right. try to ground and pound the Rams a little bit, and he goes somewhere around 250, 260, but under that number.
1: My last one here uh, for our Sunday studs is going to another quarterback and Cam Newton there for the Carolina Panthers under 214 and a half passing yards. All my props are unders this week. He threw for 189 in his first full game as a starter last week against your Washington football team up there in the area you cover, uh, and he went for. 214 or more only four times last season. I know different offense, but all season he was a starter all year for the Patriots. He only threw for over 214 four times. I think the Panthers will do most of the damage in this game on the ground with Cam and Christian McCaffrey. And as long as Christian McCaffrey doesn't take a screen pass for sixty-five yards or something like that, I think I'm gonna be fine on the under. Cam Newton's not gonna throw the ball enough.
2: No, it's a great bet. I mean, watching him play this past weekend against Washington. Everything's at the line of scrimmage. He made one nice throw, kind of a loop pass into a a soft zone, 29-yard touchdown to McCaffrey, but otherwise, he was kind of driving the ball to flat-footed receivers facing him, five and eight yards downfield, so I I kind of dig that. Uh, Last play for me, Gold. I got Daniel Jones running the ball a little more. Giants are going to have to move the football. You got a new offensive coordinator. I think for a long time, they've underutilized his feet, so maybe Kadarius Tony unlikely to play. Uh, Some of your other key players not available. You decide to go read option you get him involved carrying the football i think 18 and a half is the number on Fanduel. give me over in rushing yards for dj and
1: i'm alex school this is sunday spread on betql coming up next we go around the league and we take a shot with another hail mary sunday get all your wagertainment with the you better you bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m to noon eastern available on betql
0: and the odyssey app and streaming live on twitch.tv you ready showtime Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
1: We continue here on BetQL and of course we'll get to our Hail Mary plays of the week in just a little bit. Grant had to get creative. We both did I think this week after a lot of Thanksgiving specials were out there for everybody on Thursday. Not as many weekly special options for Hail Mary so I had to get a little creative and uh, went to the season awards. I'll get into that during my Hail Mary picking a little bit, but eleven games still to go here in week twelve. Let's take a look at some of those games we didn't already spotlight, starting with the Cleveland Browns taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Cleveland three and a half point underdogs the total is at 46 and a half. And I I think if you're looking for Coach of the Year candidates, I think it's Cliff Kingsbury who has the best odds to be coach of the year. Belichick might have the second best odds, but Harbaugh at this point in time. Has to continue to get more love what they are able to do last week against the Cleveland Browns despite a last minute scratch for Lamar Jackson having Tyler Huntley be the guy Lamar's back in the mix this week Baker's still banged up he was picked off twice last week and this is a Ravens team that just simply finds ways to win and a Browns team that if they get down at all in this game It'll take them completely out of the game script that I think they have to follow, as you and I were talking about running the football in this game, which the Browns get Kareem Hunt back, which is a huge addition. But I like Baltimore with a healthy Lamar Jackson to get the win and the cover as well. I know that's one of your picks that you gave us during the pick six.
2: Yeah, for Baltimore, really, it's a a two-item checklist for me week in and week out. Is Lamar Jackson playing? That's number one. And then number two would be, are they playing against a team that could take advantage of a suspect secondary. They're not, and Lamar's in, so give me the Ravens. Uh, Let's go bad against bad here. Pick things up with the Jets catching two and a half in Houston against the Texans. Total in this game is 44 and a half. Gold, I know you're betting this one. I'm not. I stay away from two really poor clubs playing (laughs) because someone's going to do bad team things. But I, I like a couple things I see with the Jets here who are catching some points. Remember, last week, Uh, They had a rookie wide receiver. who was the 34th pick in the draft. Uh, Elijah Morgan, go ahead and catch 140 yards. Eight uh, catches, 11 targets. Finally coming on. They get Zach Wilson back. I know he's struggled, but this is big for them in their development. Meanwhile, the Texans coming off four picks. They are a better defense than people think. They've actually hung around now in two straight games. They almost beat Miami two contests ago. They got the win this past week against the good Titans team. So they're trending up and... You would imagine uh, that there would be plenty of public money on Houston this week.
1: Probably so, yeah. I I took a look at that earlier in the week, and that's where it was trending. I think it was up to 65% or so. We'll see where the money settles uh, from the public on this. You know I like Houston minus 2.5 in this game. Zach Wilson's first game back. I I just don't think he's going to be sharp because he wasn't sharp even when he was healthy earlier on in the season. Next up, how about in the NFC East, a huge divisional game. Philadelphia, 3.5-point favorites at the New York Giants Jason Garrett's out and so you might be thinking oh well things can't be any worse anymore they got to get better and hey look they might they might get better with Jason Garrett not calling the plays anymore but better enough in one week against an Eagles team that looks really strong right now they've gotten the flow all, all of a sudden Nick Sirianni in this offense seems like Jalen Hurts they know they know how to put him in the best spot possible they're utilizing Miles Sanders again. I, and Devonta Smith is looking like the guy we all thought he was. I like Philadelphia in this spot. It is another favorite in, in this game. Uh three and a half. I don't believe the Philadelphia Eagles will do enough to chase the Cowboys like some people are discussing now to actually win the division. But Philadelphia, look at the schedule, man. And it starts this week still against a bad Giants team. The Eagles are going to find a way in as a wild card. The NFC is going to get two teams in the playoffs this year.
2: Yeah, I actually put a couple of bucks down on them to make the playoffs last week, and I feel really good about it. After they beat the Giants, which I think they'll do this weekend, they play the Jets next week, and it's on at that point. They've still got two games against a very mediocre Washington team in the NFC East. Their schedule's favorable. They play the Giants twice, Washington twice, the Jets, and the Cowboys in the final week of the year when Dallas is likely to be resting starters as the division champion. So they might have the friendliest remaining schedule of any of the playoff hopefuls on either side of the ledger. Let's go to the Bucs, three-point favorites in Indy against the Colts. Colts have found themselves 44.5 is the total here. I love this game. I love the juxtaposition of these two teams. Tampa Bay had lost two straight. Remember, they won by 20 on Monday night. They whooped the Giants. The Colts are 6-2 since starting 0-3. Their last game, they shellacked the Bills by twenty-six. They had a recent 12-point win over a San Francisco team that is playing better. One of their only two losses in their last eight games was in Baltimore. Remember, they played the uh, overtime game against the Ravens, and in that game, they led huge, and they ended up falling apart. My big question about this game is Vita Vea's health. He got carted off a couple weeks ago in D.C. Uh, He is the reason the Bucs are the number one run defense in the National Football League. The guy's built like a smart car. They put him at nose tackle. It takes three human beings to move him. If Vita Vea plays, I think they'll have a chance to slow down the Colts' running game that has been an absolute machine. Here's Jonathan Taylor's totals in five of his last six games 185, 116, 172, 107, and 145. Gronk came back and fixed the Bucks' passing game. They won't have Antonio Brown back, so not on all cylinders just yet. Love this game. Can't wait to see. Colts running the ball, Bucks trying to stop the run. The best, doing it and stopping it, going head-to-head.
1: Everything you said there is great, and I'm with you. I'm a little distracted, if I'm being honest. Built like a smart car. That's that's a new one. I like it. I, I haven't heard that one before.
2: That's uh, that's an original. We're going to keep that one in the <laughs> chamber. It only gets yeah. used on like guys like Gilbert Brown from the Packers back in the day and Vita Vea now. You really have to look the part. I mean, that dude quite literally, like, one person's not going to block him. He just can't. He is a dominant figure up front. They need him to play if they're going to stop the Colts' running game. Keep an eye on
1: Jonathan Taylor's prop. I think it's 80-and-a-half or 85-and-a-half rushing yards over at Fandu. I might, have the, I might be five yards off there. But to your point about Vita Vea, if you learn that he's not available, if you can quickly rush to the counter – and, and get that bet in or go ahead and just take the gamble right now. Maybe you don't care. If May is not playing in this game, then I love the over for Jonathan Taylor. This should be uh, one of those games that we could have even featured as a spotlight game. I'm right there with you. Next up, how about Carolina – or how about Atlanta, excuse me – minus two. At Jacksonville, you know my play on this game. I like the Falcons minus two, two and a half in some spots as well against a Jacksonville team that I just don't trust if it's a close game, which I suspect this will be. I love the over in this game with where the total is set at this particular time, and we'll see if there's more movement, 45 and a half at last check over at FanDuel. And so I I think Trevor Lawrence, if it's close, even if they're moving the ball, I trust that Matt Ryan's not going to make that crucial mistake. They're not going to be the team that has multiple penalties that, that shut down a drive. I know there's plenty of challenges with the Falcons' offense right now other than Kyle Pitts. But, you know, if you look at these two quarterbacks and still these two teams, who do I trust? Yeah, I'm going to trust the Falcons in a game where they're two-point favorites.
2: Speaking of two-point favorites, we'll keep the train on the tracks. Carolina's headed to Miami, and they're minus two in this game. Totals is 41 and a half. Cam Newton adds an element to this offense. I will give him credit for that. I mean, he is going to run read option. He's going to present some headaches for a defensive front, particularly the defensive end position for Miami. Had a 24-yard rushing touchdown against Washington. Did a pretty good job against him otherwise as a ball carrier. This is a one-dimensional offense, though. They're not going to go down the field. They're not going to stretch the field vertically. They're not going to throw the ball off whole lot other than around the line of scrimmage. So I think that really helps you in your game planning if you're Miami. By the way, the Dolphins have been playing better quietly. They beat the Texans. Then they handled the Ravens on a short week on a Thursday. And they're coming off of a seven-point win against the Jets as they come into this game. Carolina's fighting for its playoff life, though. They lose this game. Their season is all but over. And that makes them scary this weekend.
1: Yeah, the total just at 41.5 points, although it sounds about right. The only thing that's changed... In this game for the Dolphins suddenly, and, and their winning streak is, as you brought up, is a Tua's performance, right? I mean, they're having some big plays now. What, What's, you know, three strikes over 50 yards or more during that three-game span. Next up here as we continue around the league on Sunday's Fred the Pittsburgh Steelers, an AFC North showdown. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs at Cincinnati, the total at 45. Uh, I We all watched, and I certainly watched very closely, the Steelers – nearly upset the L.A. Chargers last week. They were right there despite being severely undermanned on defense. An awfully impressive performance. I still have my issues with Big Ben as a quarterback, but I got to give Mike Tomlin and the Steelers credit for having a chance to win that game. And then you got Cincinnati, who seems to be back on track after a little bit of a lull, and then they had a bye week. It seemed like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were flicking once again. Joe Mixon is rolling. I think this is a fantastic game. I'm really excited to see how these two teams square off I like Pittsburgh to cover the three-and-a-half, though, in this game against Cincinnati. That defense gets gets some guys back that were dealing with COVID this week, and I think they figured out kind of of a a good balance, despite Big Ben's inefficiencies at this point in his career. I think they figured out a good balance to put them truly in the best spot possible. I think Pittsburgh has a chance, even as a little bit of an underdog here, you want to
2: sprinkle something on the money line. But I love the game. Give me Pittsburgh plus three-and-a-half. like the pick as well. You know, I take Tomlin when he's an underdog as often as possible, and I like them catching points here. You mentioned Joe Mixon, though, 130 in a pair last time out. I think they found something, bro. Like Joe Burrow, 149 passing, that's about what they want to be, I think, really, is is let him game manage and play some defense. Uh, Let's go the Chargers and the Broncos. I'll be quick because I've already picked this game, as you know. Minus 2.5 for L.A. on the road in Denver. 47.5 is the total. Broncos coming off a bye, chargers coming off the big win over the Pittsburgh Steelers that you just referenced. I think Justin Herbert locked it back in. They got a good thing going with Austin Eckler out of the backfield as well. Chargers are a bad team. It's only a two and a half point line. If this was three and a half or four, I'd be a little bit more nervous, but anytime you can win by a field goal, when you're picking a team that you think if they played 10 times would win the game seven or so outright, I think you got to do it. So I love the chargers in this spot. I don't, don't trust Denver very much. I like the way that they're going about locking up some of these wide receivers, but I'll be honest with you. I think for this season, this is kind of the end of the road. It'll be another coaching staff next year, very likely, and hopefully an offensive-minded one with a new quarterback to give them a shot to make some headway in a division that's loaded offensively.
1: You and I uh, on the same page when it comes to the Denver Broncos in this game. No question in the Chargers, 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games in the AFC West all right let's get to it we always wrap up the Sunday spread with our Hail Marys for the week
0: it's now time for the Hail Mary
1: all right I'll quickly take you to a season award as some of the options for the week a little limited so I'll go season award MVP race we're gonna have to check back in at the end of the season on this one I'm going with still a guy that has tremendous value and now suddenly has The third best odds, Patrick Mahomes, 9-1 to win MVP. He was 60-1 two weeks ago, guys. 60-1 two weeks ago. He's now 9-1. That's
2: insane, and that's just too reactionary. That tells you a lot of things about this industry. Uh, Steelers-Bengals, highest scoring game of the weekend at plus 950. I like Pittsburgh-Cincinnati to engage in a shootout somehow. They just did it with the Chargers, run it back with the Cats. Why not?
1: Those are our Hail Marys. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Week 12, enjoy it. The Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. We're back next Saturday at 8 o'clock Eastern. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern.
0: Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.